Good morning, Redeemer. <clears throat> it is fantastic to be with you, uh, Redeemer family. It's great to celebrate Christmas together. If you're joining us, you're a visitor, it's so good to have you here. Uh, my name's Morgan Renew. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is <clears throat> a joy to celebrate Christmas. Uh, as Mike pointed out, uh, we have our, the rest of our Christmas services com coming up next Sunday uh, and on Christmas Eve. Uh, please take this invitation, invite your friends, your neighbours. Uh, there's great news to share, so, so let's uh, bring others in to hear it. Uh, I heard a few people a bit sad last week because we didn't sing any Christmas carols. Don't worry, from here on it's all Christmas carols uh, this week, next week. Uh, as we spend these three weeks... Uh, in Luke 1 and 2, uh, we're going to get some time in this Christmas story to remember, to look again to our Saviour Jesus, but also to learn from each of these individual passages and today especially from the example of Mary. Uh, tweens, uh, if you want to be part of the kids' choir, again the rehearsal for that will start at about 10 past 12. So don't feel bad if you need to get up uh, and, and go up to that if you want to be a part of the kids' choir. Uh, but I'm going to pray for us now uh, that God would show us wonderful things in His Word. So, so please join me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank You that uh, You have not left us in darkness. You have not left this world in darkness. You tell us those who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. Help us today to see that light, to see your Son, Jesus, in His glory. Would you help us to see Him, uh, to respond rightly? We pray it for Jesus' glory and in His name. Amen. About 600 AD, there was a Christian monk named Vitalis. Uh, when he was 60 years old, after living most of his life in a monastery, he moved to the crowded city of Alexandria in Egypt. After a life there in the monastery, uh, he, uh, he started working a day job. He was doing hard labour there in Alexandria, uh, earning a small wage, but he started to get a reputation for what he did with that wage at nights. Every night he would go to the prostitutes of the city and he would spend the night in that area. Word started to spread of this monk, Vitalis, who spent all of his nights with prostitutes. Uh, people of the city and people in the church started to whisper and then started to openly mock Vitalis, this hypocrite, this monk who, who spent his life with prostitutes. Uh, eventually, the, the whispers turned to outright insults and abuse uh, to one day when he was heading into the red light district, someone struck him over their head and Vitalis died. It was only at his funeral that the truth began to come out. At his funeral were hundreds of prostitutes and former prostitutes who testified to just what Vitalis was doing all that time. He would take his wage for the day, he would hire out these prostitutes for the evening and then tell them they were free, they were safe, they could sleep, they could rest. He would pray for them, he would read psalms to them. They were safe. 
Hundreds of women testified to how, through Vitalis' help, they'd become free. Uh, they, they'd, they'd left prostitution. Some of them were married. Many of them had encountered and experienced and trusted the love of Christ through his example. But so that he could keep doing his ministry, he told them not to tell anyone what he was doing. Vitalis was opposed, misunderstood, yet some measure of truth came uh, in his funeral. Now, I'm not recommending this as a ministry strategy, just in case anyone's wondering, but there is something in the story of Vitalis that I think is familiar to many of us, to many of you. As you try to serve the Lord, yet you're ignored, you're misunderstood, you're even opposed. I know many of you are working hard in your workplace, working hard, seeking to bless and honour your boss, seeking to walk with integrity, but often that's overlooked, sometimes it's even opposed, ridiculed, Many of you in your family are trying to serve the Lord, you're trying to honour your family while being faithful to your God, but you're known as the black sheep of the family, the one who's abandoned your family's culture, your family's faith, even your family's church. Many of you look back in sadness to your home country, where Christians, many, maybe your friends and family are falsely accused where churches are closed, destroyed, where churches are taken over and no one seems to care or speak up. I know many of you in different relationships and friendships, you're trying to love and serve, to humble yourself, but you just feel trampled on. Where do we look if we're just trying to serve our God but feel we're being trampled? Where do we look if we're waiting, trusting, hoping in God's Word, trying to live God's ways, but we're being ignored, even opposed, misunderstood? Where do we look to if those with power and influence are never going to listen to us because we're nobodies? Well, today we can look to somebody who should have been a nobody, We can look to some people who were nobodies in the eyes of the world and we'll see how God worked through them. Today, as we see the story of Mary, we'll see that God lifts up His humble servants. And I'm praying that will help every one of us to humble ourselves under God's Word because He will lift us up. First, we see uh, in Mary's story that the King will be born. God's promised king will be born apart from a human father because he's the very son of God. We're told in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. All of this unfolded in somewhere that should have been nowhere uh, amongst people who were nobodies. Nazareth in Galilee, yet we're told these people's name, Mary, uh, this teenager waiting to be married, Joseph, who she was engaged to, we're told that they were part of the the family of David, 
the ancient king of God's people. The angel came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was very greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, we don't know exactly what troubled Mary about this. It could be having an angel appear to you. Uh, That sounds pretty troubling. Uh, Often people were afraid when angels appeared. Uh, It could be uh, that he called Mary favoured one. And Mary kind of said, really, me? Uh, That could be troubling. But I think what troubled her was the phrase, the Lord is with you. Because when the angel declared, the Lord is with you, that's not just a comforting, reassuring phrase, which it is. God said that when He's about to do something big. Who else did the Lord appear to and say, the Lord is with you? Abraham. The Lord appeared to Abraham, said, the Lord is with you, and promised him that through his family, all the nations of the world would be blessed. God declared to Moses, I am with you, before he saved God's people from slavery in Egypt. He declared to Joshua, I am with you, before he led God's people into the land. Gideon was told, I am with you. King David, when he was young, was told, I am with you. God declared to his people in Isaiah, as he was about to save them from exile, I am with you. God appears and tells people, I'm with you when he's about to do something big. See why maybe Mary was troubled. But God was about to do something big. His promised king would be born. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This angel had a very specific message for Mary. God's promised king is here. He will be born and you will be the mother. And we're told several things about this baby to be born. First, his name, which is Jesus. God's about to do something big. If he's about to deliver his people, well, it makes sense that the baby is to be called God saves, Jesus. We're told he will be great. He'll be son of the Most High and that he will reign on the throne of David forever. This baby will be the fulfilment of one of God's great promises to His people, a promise He'd made a thousand years earlier, a promise they'd been waiting a thousand years to be fulfilled. 2 Samuel 7 verse 12, God said to David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and I'll establish His kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. God's people had been waiting a thousand years. Sometimes uh, a son would be born in David's family, and the people would wonder, will this be the king, the king who will reign, the king who will rule? Yet all of these kings had failed, all of these kings had died. 
None of their kingdoms lasted. Because God was promising a greater kingdom, greater than an earthly kingdom. This would be an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that would last forever. And God says, stop waiting, stop looking. The promised king is born. But there was a problem. Mary wasn't married yet. How could she be pregnant? Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? For Mary, the fact that she was a virgin was a problem for having a child because she knew where babies came from. But the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For God, the virgin birth isn't a problem. The virgin birth is the whole point. How this baby is conceived tells us who this baby will be. How this baby is conceived tells us who this baby will be. God's promised king will be born apart from a human father because he's the very son of God. The title son of God was sometimes given to the human son of David, to the kings of God's people, but the virgin birth said the son of God means something more. The son of God isn't just the one God calls his son, the son of God who will come is God the son. He'll be conceived apart from a human father by the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's because God himself will be becoming a man. The eternal Son of God, who for all of eternity has known God the Father and God the Spirit, God the Son, will become a baby and be born as the Son of God. When Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth confirmed this identity. Elizabeth says in 1 verse 43, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth realises that the one in the belly of Mary was the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the Lord. Verse 45, she says that this same Lord who's spoken to Mary. Elizabeth believed that the Lord spoke to Mary and this same Lord was now a baby inside Mary. You see, how this baby is conceived apart from a human father, tells us who this baby will be, the very Son of God. The Lord who created humanity will himself become a human. The King will be born. This is an incredible truth. We'll keep celebrating this. We'll keep thinking about this over the coming two weeks. But today, as we we stay in this passage... We'll we'll learn particularly from how Mary responded to this news that the king would be born. And the first thing we'll see is that though this will cost Mary much, God assures her that she is blessed. God's servant will be blessed. It was wonderful news. God was keeping his promises. But can you see what this would cost Mary? Uh, To be pregnant for a woman is is a vulnerable time, a vulnerable state. The virgin birth would raise questions about Mary's purity and integrity. The baby's identity was also problematic 
Because if she told others that she was the mother of the Son of God, that itself would be blasphemy. This could cost her her marriage, her reputation, her community, even her life. To be pregnant outside of wedlock in that community faced the death penalty. Must have been a lonely place to be. But through all of this, the emphasis is not on the burden, but on the blessing. The Lord's favour and blessing on Mary through all of this. 1 verse 28, he says, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. 1 verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favour with God. At this point, she may have felt lonely. Uh, Who could she explain this to? We know that when she tried, well, obviously, we know that when Joseph found out about this, he would try to divorce her quietly. Who would understand? Well, God in His grace gave her someone who would understand, her cousin Elizabeth. 1 verse 36, Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who would be called barren. Elizabeth won't have a virgin birth, but she will have a miraculous birth. She was barren, she was beyond the years for childbearing. Yet God, the God who gives life, given life to her womb, He tells her nothing will be impossible with God. God gives Mary someone who she'll be able to go through even this journey of pregnancy through with And when she goes to Elizabeth in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, confirms what God has said. She says, Mary, you are blessed among women. In that culture, Elizabeth, being much older and being married, she would be the one who should receive honour from her younger cousin, Mary. But it's reversed here because she realises that, well, Mary bears the Lord. Mary is carrying her very Lord, the Lord God. God gives Mary this gift, this assurance, this a friend to go through this with. God gives a sign uh, that her cousin also is pregnant. And we see twice by the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth confirms what God has said. Blessed are you among women, blessed are the fruit of your womb. Verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. Though the birth of Jesus will cost Mary much, Well, God assures her that she is blessed and she takes God at His word. And that comes to our our next point, that God's servant submits to His word. Mary believes God's word even though she might have questions. If you look back earlier in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah asked God questions Uh, And there was a lack of belief there that God identified. But here, God seems to honour Mary's question. It's a question asked in faith. 
It's okay to ask the Lord questions. Lord, Lord how, how will you do this? Lord, help me understand. The Lord loves those questions. The Lord honours those questions. Here the Lord answers that question of, of Mary's very clearly. But as she has a question and the Lord tells her what she will do, what will happen to her, will she take the Lord at his word? Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary stood to lose much. She might have had plans, plans for how they'd prepare for their wedding and now her plans were totally derailed. She might have had plans for how and when her and Joseph would have their first child. Now her plans were gone. She'd lived a life of faithfulness and integrity and now her reputation would be in tatters. But she realised that, well, her plans, her integrity, even her reputation counted as nothing except that she was a servant of the Lord. She delighted to serve her Lord and she submitted to His Word. She submits to His Word by believing it. Uh, she, she will come and eventually reply, uh, reply to God with His very words. She'll believe that she is blessed. Uh, she believes God, she submits to God's Word by listening to what God says about Elizabeth. After being told that Elizabeth will be pregnant, in those days, verse 39, Mary arose and went in haste into the hill country to a town of Judah and there she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Mary believed God's Word to her and she did what He asked. Uh, she, she went to uh, Elizabeth, she spent three months with her uh, and the fact that Mary had believed God's Word is something that Elizabeth confirms. Verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. See, the first thing we're learning from Mary here is to believe God's Word. God's humble servant, believe His Word, submit to His Word. She did it in going to visit Elizabeth. Actually, believing God's Word, submitting to God's Word for, was for her good, was for her comfort, was for her joy. But then she did it in uh, affirming what God had said uh, in her song. Mary's response was to believe God's Word and submit to it. No matter what it cost her, she knew that God's commands could be trusted. Even as she looked to what lay before her, misunderstanding, rejection, maybe her, maybe her fiancé, maybe her family, her community, no matter what it might cost her, she said, I am the Lord's servant, let it be to me according to your word. Now, all of this should remind us that, well, the most important thing about Mary isn't anything she did, the most important thing about Mary is that God showed His favour to her. God chose to bless her. 
We should, it's right that we look to Mary as an example, but she's an example of a fellow sinner uh, who submits to her Lord and God. She was a sinner like every one of us, but God showed her undeserved favour, generosity and blessing. She's not a special saint, she's not without sin, she's not someone we should pray to. Like us, she was a humble servant, a sinner, but someone who was blessed by a gracious God and someone who believed that God and His Word to her. In that way, she's an amazing example to us of someone whom it cost much to serve God but someone who was a servant, who submitted to God's Word, someone who believed God's Word that no matter what it cost her, walking in God's will meant she was blessed. And the final way that she submits here is that she sings. She sings God's own words back to Him. She affirms all that God has told her through the angel and what God has told her through Elizabeth. She sings these words back to the Lord. Uh, This Saturday, there's the women's breakfast about praying the Scriptures back to God. That's really what Mary is doing here. God has told her four times that she is blessed and this song is her song declaring back to the Lord and declaring to all of us that indeed she and everyone who humbled themselves before the Lord will be blessed. Uh, We see here that God lifts up His humble servants and that Mary's experience points to the experience of all of God's people. Mary begins this song by singing about what the Lord has done for her. Uh, She says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. God had promised the Saviour that she she would have a son called Jesus saves, so she rejoices in God, her Saviour. For He's looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, holy is His name. Mary believed what God had spoken, that she was blessed and she declared, I am blessed, all generations will call me blessed because God has said it is so. She realised it wasn't her holiness, holy is His name, He who has done great things for her. Mary knows the joy of being small and low, Mary knows the joy of humbling herself because she knows that God comes to small people. God lifts up the lowly. God lifts up the humble. But this song isn't just about her. She moves from her experience to the experience of all of God's people in all of time. God is doing something new in the world with the birth of this baby. God is turning things upside down. Mary's experience points to the experience of all God's people because God lifts up His humble servants. She goes on in this song and she describes a group that God is going to cast down, who God will oppose, the proud, the mighty, the rich. God will cast them down, He will oppose them, that they may seem high and mighty and in control, they will not always be. God will turn things upside down, He will bring them down. 
And then she describes whom God will lift up. This includes her and all of God's people. She says, those of humble estate, God's servants, those who fear Him, those of humble estate, the hungry, His servants. Mary declares that these people God will lift up. And she said, this is always true. Verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. This will fulfill God's promise to bless all nations through Abraham. That's verse 54, He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Mary had experienced in her life God coming and lifting her up. She'd been waiting, she'd humbled herself. God was lifting her up. But Mary declared this isn't just true of her on that day, this is true of all of God's people for all of time. God lifts up His humble servants. But how do we understand that when we don't see it? How do we understand that when that's not our experience? How do we understand that when we look around our lives and the world and the rich, the proud, they seem to have much of the power and when the humble, the servants, those who fear God, they seem to be still lowly. Well, this is true of Mary and this is true of us, of all of His servants, because Mary's, true is firstly, Mary's song is firstly true of Jesus. You see, we can trust that God will lift up Mary and that God will lift us up because God lifted Jesus up after He was humbled. Uh, in Mary's song, who is the servant whom God will lift up? Who is the one of humble estate whom God will lift up? Well, Mike read for us early from Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. We hear of him, a bruised reed, he will not break. We see that before this, this song is true of Mary or of us, it's true of Jesus himself. Jesus, the King of heaven, became a baby born of humble estate. Jesus, the King of heaven, came not to be served but humbly as a servant. Jesus, the very Word of God, humbled Himself, feared God and submitted to God's Word. The Maker of all plants and animals and produce, He Himself became a vulnerable human who was hungry. The servant Mary is singing about is firstly Jesus. And that's something the world has never understood. The, the opposition, the ridicule of the world, sadly, most people experience early on in life, often at school, 
Uh, one place where ridicule often happens at school is in graffiti and in bathroom blocks. And as uh, uh, archaeologists have excavated um, a Roman school for boys, uh, they've found evidence of some graffiti in a bathroom block. So this is from about 200 AD. It's a picture of the graffiti. As you see, nothing's changed. People still wrote silly things uh, in bathroom stalls at school. But this is in the year 200 AD, and you can see the picture is of a young man worshipping, bowing down to a donkey on a cross. And the, the text says, Alexamenos worships his God. You see how they were, they were mocking maybe one of the students, Alexamenos. They said, his God is ridiculous. His God apparently became a man. His God entered into this creation. His God became a weak baby. His God died on a cross. What kind of God is that? That God's a donkey. But even worse, what kind of person worships a God who is weak? What kind of person worships a God who would become a baby? What kind of person worships a God who would die? The world doesn't understand. The world mocked Alexamenos. Uh, his fellow students mocked him in that day. But we know that Jesus, though he was lowly, though he was humble, well, he didn't stay dead, did he? Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But Jesus humbled himself, Jesus is the one of lowly estate, he is the servant, yet the humble God lifts up. Verse 9, after he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our God himself, God humbled himself. Our God came in weakness. Our God came to live as a weak human being. He came to die, yet He did not stay weak. He did not stay dead. As He humbled Himself, God lifted Him up. This Jesus is now Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He hath the name above every name. To Him every knee shall bow. So those who mock him as being a donkey of a God, one day they will bow the knee to him because Jesus is king. He is the king whose kingdom will reign forever. He is the Lord of lords. So when God says, I will raise up my humble servants, when he tells us, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and God will lift you up in your due time, you can believe him. You can trust Him, because as God Himself was humbled, well, He was raised up. 
The Father raised Jesus up. As Mary humbled herself, see, God actually raised her up, exalted her. And as we humble ourselves, we submit ourselves to God. As we wait patiently for Him to keep His promises, as we keep serving and loving, blessing our enemies, as we keep serving and loving and expecting the best and caring for for others, we know that as we humble ourselves, God will lift us up because God always lifts up His humble servants. As it happened to Jesus, it will happen to us. So how do we live now? How do we wait? How do we keep faithfully serving our God when it seems like we're ignored, we're opposed, and it sometimes just doesn't seem to work? Well, with Mary, we can do three things. We can sing, we can serve, and we can submit. First, we can sing, we can rejoice that God has kept His promises and will keep His promises. Mary sang this song, this song of joy, uh, this song that declares definitively what God has done and will do. She sang this song at the beginning of her story. At this point, I don't think Mary had actually had the conversation with Joseph where we we hear that Joseph would resolve to divorce her quietly. At this point, Mary's tummy wasn't so obvious that all the passers-by would kind of look on in scorn and judgment. At this point, Mary hadn't seen, hadn't seen the fulfillment of God's promises. At this point, Mary still had to go through much suffering and trials. All she had was God's Word, yet God's Word was enough, enough for her to sing, enough for her to rejoice, because if all you have is God's Word, you have everything. Friends, you might be trying to serve the Lord faithfully. Today, you might be not understood, you might not be recognised, you might not be rewarded, you might not be vindicated. And even as you wait, you can rejoice because you have God's Word. You might not feel blessed by any earthly measure, but God tells you that if you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You might feel like you're alone but you have God's Word that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. To the very ends of the earth, I am with you. You might feel alone and scared, but you have God's Word that tells that He is your shepherd. He is with you even through the darkest valley. You might have nothing to go on but God's Word, but if you have God's Word, you have everything. Friends, you can rejoice and sing You can continue to serve. You can continue to turn the other cheek. You can continue to bless. You can continue to love. Knowing that the Lord sees and the Lord has promised that those who humble themselves under His mighty hand, He will raise up. Friends, let's sing with Mary. Second, we can serve and have the humility to be used by God. See, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant 
Let it, me, let it be done to me according to your word. She said to that, she could say that because she realised that it wasn't about her. God was calling her to do something outrageous, to be the mother of the Son of God. Yet she trusted the Lord and willingly served because she realised it wasn't about her. There's two ways to make serving about us and even to shy away from serving uh, because it's, we think it's about us. One is to think that, hey, it's all about me. Uh, like, I'm so great, I've got all the gifts, so if God's going to work in this world, if God's going to work in this situation, it's got to be through me. Like, the only way God's going to make a difference here, it's through my unique gift of skills and intelligence and charm. Uh, and that's a more obviously sort of proud version of serving. But there's another, there's another reason that might stop us from serving uh, that is also a kind of pride. And that thinking, my weaknesses, my inadequacies are so big that God can't get past them. To say, God, you want me to serve? Oh no, I could never do that. No, no, I'm too weak. I'm not educated enough. I, I don't have a degree. I, no, no, no one would ever listen to me. I could never do that. And that sounds humble at first, doesn't it? Oh, I, could, I could never serve like that. But to do that, if God has called you to serve, well, that's failing to believe God's Word. It's actually saying that your, your failures, your weakness is too big for God to get around. Like there's no way that God can, can use you. Where true humility is to say, God, you've asked me to do something outrageously hard, but you said that you would do it? You said that you will help, so I'm going to believe you and I'm going to serve. God had asked Mary to do an outrageously hard thing, to be the mother of the Son of God. And when she asked, well, God said, how will this be? Well, God said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Mary wouldn't do this by her own strength. The Holy Spirit would come on her and give her strength. But what if the Lord called us to do something outrageous? Like take the gospel to the ends of the earth. What if he told us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? We'd think, oh, well, God can't work through us unless we did the same thing he did for Mary. He promised in Acts 1.8 that I will give you my spirit, uh, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and then you will be my witnesses. So friends, let's serve, let's serve with confidence, let's serve with joy, as God has called us to be His witnesses, let's go boldly. You might not feel like you have the answers, you might not feel like you can explain the gospel clearly, you might feel like your example isn't as good as it, as it should be, you might feel weak or like no one will listen, but God has said that through you, His people, through us, His people, through our weakness, He will show His strength. He's given us His Spirit. So friends, let's serve. Have the humility to serve and be used by God. And finally, with Mary, we submit. Because this passage in the end is, is not ultimately about Mary. 
It's about a king. The announcement of that first Christmas is that a king will be born, a king who reigns above all kings, a kingdom that will at last outlast all other kingdoms. So the news of Christmas is a call to submit, submit to this king. This speaks to all of us, it especially speaks to the proud, the rich, those who in the world seem to be powerful. We see it in Mary's song, we see it back in Psalm chapter 2. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. So friends, if you've not taken refuge in the Son, in this King, if you've not bowed to him as Lord, like Mary did, like Elizabeth did, submit to him. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He loves you. He has come for you. He entered into your weakness. He took your sin upon himself. He took it to the cross so that you might live. So would you submit to this king? And for brothers and sisters, you who submit to the Lord Jesus, you who love him, you who are seeking to serve him, keep singing, keep serving, because the Lord lifts up his humble servants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing light into this dark world. We thank you that your son humbled himself, became one of us. We thank you for the example of Mary who humbled herself before you, humbled herself before him. Lord, we pray that each of us would be your humble servants. We would submit to your word let us be those who would sing, who would serve, and would submit to our King Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.